You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Thank you, ladies. You know, I uh, just appreciate so much God uh, in, in His uh, timing of things and working things for our good and for His glory. And, uh, you know, I, I, when they began to schedule assurance, they, they hadn't decided who was going to travel with who. And we normally travel with crusty guys. And uh, so for some reason this year they decided that uh, we'd had enough of the crusty guys and put us with these sweet young ladies. And uh, we're grateful. Now, it would have worked out either way because Jason, Brother Jason is preaching a camp in Washington and Glorybound's going to be there. So we'd have got to go with, if we'd have got to go with Glorybound, we'd have been at camp with him in Washington State. Uh, or be here this Sunday with assurance. So either way, we won, you know. So uh, it's, it's a blessing to be with you. You know, he was in uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma for 18 years. And I told somebody, I always knew my son would pastor someday. I just didn't think it would be this soon. <laughs> but uh, I just knew. I mean, when God uh, worked in his heart as a teenager, and uh, he went through those times, you know, every one of us do as teenage boys. You know, I'm convinced that when a young man turns 13 years old, that the brain fairy comes and takes his brain away, <clears throat> and he doesn't get it back till he's 25. That's why your insurance rates go down when you turn 25 as a male, That's, and then you get your brain back, but um, I always knew that God was going to use Jason in a great way, and I'm very, very Excited that the Lord has brought him here to Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And uh, little Jace has already learned the dialect. My name is Jason Kyle Jett Jr., don't you know? And uh, (laughs) so he's already got that down. But it is a blessing to be with you. And I mean that with all my heart. Uh, He mentioned the table out there. Go by and look at some of the... The things that we have, uh, we've got uh, brochures about Heartland Baptist Bible College. My wife and I were privileged to move from California. In fact, Jason and Aaron both, well, you graduated in 98, right? So she did, but she made the move to Oklahoma City to go to work for the college. And then Jason uh, finished your second year at, uh, in Oklahoma City. So we've been with the school for now for 21 years, and uh, we were the deans for 14 years, and that's the best thing that ever happened to our lives, that we are not the deans anymore. Uh, and uh, you don't know what you go through until you become a dean in a Bible college, and uh, I'm glad that I'm not. I used to have a lot of hair, but I lost it all when we went to work at the college. And uh, so anyway, uh, there's a, the table out there has information about the college, Great, great resources out there for you. There's a book out there called Bibs, Big Idea Bible Study, and it is a fabulous book. 
All right, you, you would agree with us uh, today that you ought to be a Bible reader. How many would say, yes, I need to be a Bible reader? Well, there's a book out there called Bibbs that'll help you not only to understand the importance of reading the Bible, but how to study the Bible. Uh, I, we lived nine years in Evanston, Wyoming, and our city was 80% Mormon. When that Mormon missionary that comes around and he knocks on your door or she knocks on your door, and that, it always cracks me up because they have this little sign that says elder so-and-so, and they're 19-year-old young men and women. But the, when they come and knock on your door, they are there for one purpose, to destroy everything you believe about God's Word. And they know their stuff. And uh, you need to know your stuff. You need to know why the Bible is the Word of God. And you need to know why you believe the Bible. So uh, you, need to, you need to learn how to study the Bible. So that's a great book that's out there. We have a book on worship that Dr. Dave Hardy wrote. Excellent book on what worship is. People today have a false idea what worship is. They think worship's an, an experience or, or you know, uh, works or different things like that. Worship is just simply acknowledging that God is who He is. He is the creator of the universe. We need to know what worship is about. So anyway, go by the table. Hey, young people, we got some pens out there that are good writing pens. So go by there. We got all kinds of colors. Uh, So go by and pick up one of those. Pick up a... If if you're interested maybe in thinking about Heartland Baptist Bible College, fill out one of the little cards. We're not going to be knocking on your door. We're not going to be bugging you to death about coming there, but we will send you some information about the college. And uh, go by there. If you have any questions about the school, come by. We'd be glad to answer those questions. All right. Acts chapter 16. I I know what time it is, and uh, so I'm very... I've already been told by my granddaughters... Papa, we love you. Preach short. <laughs> They've already told me that. I, I understand that. But I understand you folks stay around here mid, till midnight fellowshipping anyway, so it doesn't matter how long I preach. Now, I, I, I'm aware of that. I know we got all kinds of things going on. and uh, We just started. This is our second church. By the time we get done, we'll put on 15,000 miles on that new transit van out there, and we will probably encounter five million bugs on the way. I thought about when we left the parking lot of the school, waiting to see which, where we were at when the very first bug landed on our windshield, but then we got into the northern part of Oklahoma, and there was too many to count. And uh, those bugs that we got on that windshield out there and on the grill, they won't have the guts to do that again. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 16. Let's stand as I think it's your custom. And I, I've been listening to the podcast of my son preaching. I've enjoyed those while I'm shaving in the morning. I've cut myself three or four times going, what did he just say? Uh, no, that's not true. I've enjoyed listening to the, the podcasts. And uh, so I appreciate you standing. We're going to read verse 6 through 12, Acts chapter 16. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now that sounds like a weird verse, doesn't it? Forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And there's a reason for that. We'll hopefully be able to convey that to you here in a minute. Verse 7. 
After they were come to Mysia, they swayed to go unto Bithynia. But look at this. But the Spirit of God, or the Spirit, suffered them not. Suffered means permitted them not. Twice now already in two verses. We're told they desired to go to a particular place, but the Spirit of God did not allow them. And it says in verse 8, And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the, in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. We're going to leave off reading right there. I've titled the message tonight, Every House. Needs Jesus. Can you think of one house in Sioux Falls, South Dakota that doesn't need Jesus? Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together tonight, for the good music that we've heard, for the sweet spirit that we have felt here tonight. And I just pray that you'd bless our time in the Word of God. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to preach. I'm honored, Lord, that you've allowed me to be behind this pulpit tonight. I don't want to dishonor it. I don't want to say anything, God, that would bring um, a shame upon you. So help me, Lord, guide my tongue. Help me to preach what you'd have me to preach. And I just pray that if there be one here tonight whose home doesn't have Jesus, that you'd speak to their hearts. And I love you. I thank you for the honor that we have to be here at Eastside Baptist Church. In your name we pray, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Every year, our church, Southwest Baptist Church, where we attend in Oklahoma City, has a theme. And uh, in 2015, we had as our church theme, In Every House. And the scripture verse that went along with that theme was found in the book of Acts chapter 5 verse 42. And it says, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Our pastor, Brother Jason Gaddis, had as our goal that year to get the gospel into 93,000 homes that surrounded our area around our church. Our church is kind of like Eastside Baptist Church. It's right in the middle of an older neighborhood uh, in Oklahoma City, the southwest side of Oklahoma City. So 93,000 homes within a particular geographical location, uh, a zip code area to get the gospel message into every house. Uh, the, uh, every evening or every day that you go to church, you can find a packet uh, with a map and several tracks that you can go into a particular area and knock doors, put tracks on doors in that particular area 
in every house. They even developed a, a, a track. I have one in my pocket. I have some of our, our assurance tracks that are out there. That I think we have these on the table. You can go by, pick one of these up, use it as a prayer card, pray for us. We'll be traveling into the, north, or the, the northeast part of America. We're going to end up in Chicago. We're going to go to Boston. We're going to go to New York City. Pray for us as we drive in New York City. I'm not worried necessarily about us as I am worried about other people. But uh, anyway, pray that God will help us. I basically do all the driving. That's, that's, what, that's what my job is. And uh, so pray for us. But anyway, our track here, this is one of our tracks that we have at Southwest Baptist Church. It's an older one. We've redesigned it. There's a, a one-page track. But right here, there's this cute little QR code thing. How many of you have that app on your phone? You can scan the QR code. And our pastor, brother Jason Gaddis, comes up and he preaches about a two, two and a half minute gospel message. So we leave these on doors so that we can get the gospel in every house. Because not only are there 93,000 homes in, in the area that surrounds Southwest Baptist Church, there's about a million and a half people in the metro area of Oklahoma City. At one time, Oklahoma City was the ninth largest city in America area-wise million and a half people. Because every one of those homes in Oklahoma City and in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, what, two and a half, uh, 250,000 people or so? Every one of those homes needs Jesus. There's not one house in this neighborhood. We're driving in here today and I'm still looking at all these houses all around. Every one of these houses right here Right outside your front door. And it's, that's the front door right there, right? Front door. All these duplexes and apartment, new, new apartment buildings going up. Every one of those homes needs Jesus. Amen. Now, when we think of the word home, a couple of different usages of the word homes, of home. I, I love this little thing right here. I want to be careful. I want to knock it over. Is it, not, is it bolted down or anything? I could just see myself knocking it over. Um, the word home is used a couple of different ways. We think of a home or a house, right? House. Uh, Joshua said, as for me and my what? House, we will serve the Lord. What do you mean by that? They lived in a tent. But he's talking about his family unit. Whatever that family unit is, single parent or whatever it is, every house needs Jesus. Now, the word house is also used to describe a geographical location. I'm not going to give you my address because you may be in Oklahoma City and toilet paper in my house. So I'm not going it, it carries the idea of a geographical location. 5029 Northwest 25th Street. Right now, our house is in a turmoil. We had a slab leak while on vacation. Our family room downstairs got flooded, got mud in it. It's, it, it is a mess. They still haven't fixed it. I just left it and said, take care of it. <laughs> Basically, that's what we did. You know, I got two girls living in our house. So right now, college students are going to help us and take care of that. I've got some men at the college that are, you know, builders and different things. They're going to put eyeballs on it if I need them to go there. So right now, my house is in a turmoil. <laughs> but every house needs Jesus. We read there in Acts, I, I quoted the verse, 
Acts chapter 5, verse 42, that daily in the temple and in every house. The idea would be this. Every family, every home, every house, every geographical location, every house needs Jesus. And they were to carry the gospel message in to every house. Now, we read here in the book of Acts, chapter number 16, that Paul and his company desired to go into two different places, but the Spirit of God said no. And then Paul sees a vision one night, and we have a song that we sing in our hymn book called, We Have Heard the Macedonian Call Today, Send the Light. He sees this man in an area called Macedonia who says, come over and help us. The next day, they get up and they make their way to a city called Philippi. Now, the significance of that is this. For the very first time, the gospel message was carried into the actual continent of Europe. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. God didn't send Paul to Asia, to India, or China. He sent him to the European continent. I want you to know something tonight. The fact that Paul answered the Macedonian call, you and I are a direct result of Paul answering that call. You and I owe the fact that we are sitting in church tonight, if you're saved, to the fact that Paul answered the Macedonian call. That's amazing. So they get into the city of Philippi, and in chapter 16 of Acts, we're introduced to three different families that needed Jesus in their home. I'm gonna, I want to share with you tonight three homes that needed Jesus. Now, the first home is found here in verse 13. Look at this. Verse 13 of Acts 16. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. All right, so Paul on the Sabbath day, the day that the Jews had their religious services, would have been Saturday. They're making their way and they've come by a place by a riverside, which by the way, we saw some rivers that were, there's no sides left. Amazing. Global warming, right? All right, so anyway. Okay, it's all right. So, so they come by this riverside, and apparently this is something that Paul maybe had done for a little bit of time, and they see these women, and they're gathered there. And what does the Bible say that they were doing? What does it tell us? What were they doing? They were praying. It says that there were women, and they were praying where prayer was wont to be made. Now, from, from the implication of the scripture here, these women would have been converts to Judaism. And they were praying. So as Paul, can you see it? Can you see it? You see Paul and his company, they walk by and they see this group of women and they were praying. Now, to have a synagogue in any city, you had to have at least 10 Jewish men. But the Bible tells us that there were these women that were gathered together 
and they were praying. And I can see this in my mind. The Apostle Paul and his company, they walk by and they see these women praying. And they were converts to Judaism. And they were praying. Can you see Paul doing this as he sees them praying? He walks up to this group of women and he says, I see you're praying. Who are you praying to? And they said, well, we're praying to the God of Israel. And Paul might have said something like this. Can I tell you a little bit about him? Don't you think that's the way it would have gone? That's the way it ought to be. Have you ever gone into a store? I went into a store one time and I'm checking out and the lady looks at me and she says, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, "Why? what gave me away? My, five, my 500 pound King James Bible under my arm? Or She said, I just could tell you're a preacher. You know, that's the way it ought to be. You don't have to have a bumper sticker on your car to let everybody know you're saved. It ought to, it ought to show up in the way you look. You know what I mean? We were at a restaurant one time, a hoo-hot, is that what they call that Chinese place? And we're eating and there's a teenage boy sitting across from me about, about as far as my son is here. And, and uh, I sat down, I, we prayed over our food and I looked up and this, little, this teenage boy's praying over his food. Now that's quite something in a restaurant. He's praying over his food. And he finishes and he looks up and he and I make eye contact and I go like that and he kind of, Smiles and nods you. I thought that's pretty cool. Amen. Most teenage boys, they don't want to pray in, in a restaurant. They don't want to see anybody praying in a restaurant. That'd be embarrassing. But he wasn't embarrassed. These women were praying. And I, I can see the Apostle Paul making his way down there, and he begins this conversation with them, and he begins to tell them about Jesus. And look at verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia... A seller of purple, she was a businesswoman of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Do you know what that means, that she attended unto the things? When Paul began to tell these women about Jesus, she went kind of like this. Uh-huh. Now, she maybe not made that noise, but she listened. There was something in her heart that paid attention to what Paul was talking about. She paid attention. She, all right, all right, can you, what does it say? She was doing what? She worshiped God. But she, she needed something more than just Worshiping God. You know what she needed? What did she need? Come on. She needed Jesus. And, and, and look, look what happens here, okay? Look what happens. And it says here, and when she was baptized, I think I drove up and the sign out there said Eastside Baptist Church, not Eastside Church of Christ. Well, okay, help me out, come on. Why do people get baptized? Because to get saved? Wrong answer. Why do people get baptized? Because they are what? Saved. This woman was a religious woman, but she needed more than religion. 
All right, all around us. I, 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 my first ministry position was in Bismarck, North Dakota. The only difference between Bismarck, North Dakota and Sioux Falls, South Dakota is one's in North Dakota and one's in South Dakota. Because <laughs> the winters are just as harsh here as they are up there. But we had, our city was 80% Lutheran, about 15% Roman Catholic, and the rest of it was just a conglomeration of all kinds of things. Sound familiar? A lot of Lutheran and Catholic people here. Am I right? I understand this, and I'll tell you what, they are religious people. I knew lots of Lutheran people that were very moral people, good people. I have an uncle who's a Lutheran. I hope he's saved. I've tried to witness to him. But religion is not what people need. There are people that will walk into a, a Muslim mosque with bombs strapped on them and blow themselves up in the name of religion. Religion is not what people need. What do they need? They need Jesus. Thank you. That was good. What do they need? Thank you. That's good. I like that. Religion is not enough. So this was a religious woman, but she needed Jesus. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us saying, if you have, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house. Do you see how often in these passages you're going to see it where the word house is used? When she got saved, guess what? She probably went home and told her family about it. Don't you think? Her household... Now, there's a second home here that needed Jesus that we are introduced to. And that is in verse 16. This one's kind of, kind of weird, kind of bizarre. Verse 16, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which besought us, or besought her, or, I'm sorry, brought her masters much gained by soothsaying, the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are servants, are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, from the surface it sounds right, doesn't it? They were, that's what they were doing. But there's a couple of indicators here of this young lady that doesn't sound quite right. She was a damsel and it tells us that she was possessed with a spirit of divination. And she was a soothsayer, which means fortune teller. The word divination is an interesting word. We get our English word, python, from the Greek word. You may know what a python is. It's a snake. I don't like snakes. I know snakes eat rats and mice and all that, but they bite people! I don't like snakes. We're out fishing. We're out fishing. I don't know, Michael, were you with us that day when I stepped on the snake? We were getting over, crossing over this pole gate, and I stepped down on a snake, and my, my son said, my son Josh said, Dad, look out. And I looked down, and I stepped right on the head of a copperhead. Anybody know what a copperhead is? Poisonous snake. And I stepped on him, and I screamed like a girl and jumped back, and Fortunately, when I stepped on him, I stepped on his head and I injured him and we sent him that a happy snake den in the sky. 
I don't like snakes. She was possessed with a spirit of divination. What does that mean? The young lady was demon-possessed. And she followed after Paul and mocked God, mocked the gospel. And I want you to know the impact that it, notice the impact it had on Paul in verse 18. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. This young lady, possessed with the spirit of divination, a fortune teller, Paul finally got tired of it and he turned and dismissed the the demon that possessed this young lady. And it changed her life. You say, well, what kind of home do you think she came from? Well, I think it's kind of obvious that she came from a home that was troubled. I, I don't know this. Brother Jason and I haven't talked about it, but probably all around where you and I are right here in this great, I love your building, this great church, there are people whose lives are troubled. They have some kind of a bondage to drugs or alcohol. Their lives are messed up. We, we have I, about I have 15, 16, 17 bus routes. A lot of those little old bus kids that ride our bus at Southwest Baptist Church, they come from homes that are troubled. Do you know what? The only good thing a lot of those little old kids will get is what they get when they come to church. When I was pastoring in Evanston, picked up a little girl in a van one, one morning, Sunday morning, she got, comes on, she's got a cast on her arm. I said, wow, what happened? She said, oh, my daddy got drunk last, the other night and fell on me and broke my arm. It's like, no big deal. It's the kind of lifestyle that she lived. Troubled homes. Where there's abuse, where there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's all kinds of horrible conditions that you wouldn't want to wish on anybody. My wife and I did a couples retreat in uh, Albany, Wash- uh, Albany, Oregon one year and I preached and we finished up and the invitation, a lady came to the altar, the pastor's wife went and dealt with her and um, afterwards my wife and I were standing on the front of the pulpit and she came by and I shook her hand, had a little girl with her about eight years old and she told us, she gave us her testimony, she got out of jail that morning. She got saved while she was in jail trying to get her life straightened out. And here, what, here's what she, how many, anybody in here 11? Have 11 year olds? Anybody? 11 year olds? Looking around. Right here, 11 year old? This, this young lady started using meth when she was 11 years old. Can you imagine? Your son right here using meth? 11 years old. Her life was troubled. Question for you, know anybody like that? Probably a lot of us do. We know somebody whose home is troubled. Can I help you today? That kind of home needs who? They need Jesus. Troubled homes need Jesus. Religious homes need Jesus. All right, so the third home that we're going to be introduced to here. So after Paul dismisses this demonic spirit, look what happens In verse 19. And when her masters, the masters, the ones that were making money off this young lady's 
demonic activities, when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Hey, they weren't trouble in their city, but they were trouble in their pocketbooks, their wallets. They weren't going to make money off this young lady because now instead of her doing things for the devil, now she's different. Now she's changed because Jesus changed her life. And now all of a sudden they're upset because they're not going to be making money off of her. So they brought Paul and Silas before the, the city officials and they said, they're troubling our city. They're, they're, they're teaching things that are not lawful. They're, they're teaching customs that are not lawful. And it says in verse 22, and the multitude rose up together against him, against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. I've heard it said that everywhere that Paul went, he went to look at two places. Number one, he went to look at the synagogue. And number two, he went to look at the jail. Because he's going to end up in both of those places. Then somebody also said that every place that Paul went, one or two things happened. They either had a revival or they had a riot. And they had both of those right here in the city of Philippi. So they threw them into jail. They gave the jailer the command to make sure that they did not get out. They put them in the most, the most inner part of the prison. And he received them, thrust them, put them into their feet in the stocks, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang. All right, so I'm going to date myself here. How, are you, how many of you remember the old show, Hee Haw? Remember that show? Oh, and all the folks that are mature know that show. Remember this song in Hee Haw? Gloom and spare and agony on me, whoa. Deep, dark depression. Excessive misery, whoa. I'm not going to sing the rest of it. My wife hates it when I do this. I've tried to change, but I've got my Frank Sinatra song, I Gotta Be Me. Nobody but... All right, now listen. Okay, so they sang, and look what it says. What did they sing? What's the next word? Huh? Praises. Now, it wasn't around in those days, but I think if it had been, they'd have sang songs like, It is well with my soul. Amen. Don't you think? They sang praises at midnight. And notice what else it says. And, and the prisoners heard them. Now, I, I don't have any scriptural proof, but I also think the jailer heard them. We're going to see that here in a little bit. And it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. Did you know that Oklahoma has more earthquakes than any state in the Union? Earthquakes. There was this great earthquake. So that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. 
And look at this. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. All right, so picture this. It's midnight. Paul and Silas are singing praises to the Lord. And all of a sudden, the building begins to shake. And the prison doors were open and the stocks and the chains on them were loose. The jailer wakes up and he's just thinking, he sees the doors open. He's thinking all the prisoners are escaped. And so he draws out his own sword ready to take his own life because he knew that if any of the prisoners got out, he was going to get executed. So he draws out his own sword ready to take his life. And I want you to notice what happened next. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know what that's like saying to a Baptist preacher? It's like saying sicken to a Doberman. And Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And what? Thy house. So this man's life was changed. You say, well, what kind of home do you think this is? I've titled this the secular home. Now, you need to know, this man probably would have been a Roman soldier. Dedicated. To his task. So dedicated. Can you, can you see it? So dedicated that he was willing to take his own life if any of the prisoners got loose. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe not. I'm not talking about willing to take their own life. But somebody who's sold out to their job. Do you work it? I mean work with somebody that say, man, this person I work with, they do a great job. And maybe you might even do this. You might walk up to them and say, hey, you know what? We got a special singing group. A group of young ladies from Oklahoma City that are coming to sing at our church tomorrow, uh, on Sunday night. Why don't you come? Yeah, thank you for the invitation. But you know, Sunday's the only day I got to sleep in. And besides all that, we like to go to the lake. Well, you don't have to go very far to go to the lake. It's probably your backyard, Amen. We like to, we like to, we, we, we enjoy our family time. You know, I'm, I'm not offended that you asked me, but, you know, I, I just, I, I really don't have time for God. Know anybody like that? We have all kinds of people around us, just like this jailer, dedicated to their jobs, but they don't have time for God. And this man's house needed Jesus. And you know what? What does Paul tell him? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. All right, I know Father's Day's coming up, right? Is that right? Yes. A couple of weeks, Father's Day. You get kind of, kind of have you noticed how many songs there are in the songbook about the mother? But hardly, hardly any in there about the father. Father along is the only one I know about. <laughs> but you know, hey, hey, can I help you, dads? I'm looking around the room. There's, I mean, you're a dad here. Let me see your hand. I love being a dad. 
I told somebody the other day, I have eight reasons to come to South Dakota. Seven in Jason's family and pheasant hunting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. If you're a dad, can I help you today? I know it's not Father's Day. But if you're a dad, if you get sold out to God, your family will follow you. Yes. Amen. What does Paul tell him? You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and what? Tell me. Thy house. Hey, man, get sold out for God, your family will follow you. Got one amen. Dad's sold out. Get sold out for God, and, and you'll lead your family in the way they should go. You will. So this man got saved. The Bible tells us. He took them the same hour, verse 33, washed their stripes, was baptized, he and all his, straightway. Three homes that needed Jesus. The religious home. I don't know if you're here tonight, you may be like Lydia, who's religious, you're dedicated to your church, dedicated, dedicated, you're religious. But people need more than just Religion. They need a relationship. Maybe you're like the young lady here who was troubled. Your life's messed up. And, and by the way, you can't blame anybody. You just, you've made some bad choices in your life. We all make bad choices, but sometimes people make choices that mess their lives completely up. You need Jesus. You may be just like that jailer, dedicated to your task, to your job, saving your money for retirement, getting thinking about that down the road someday. Don't have time for God, but your house needs Jesus. Every house needs Jesus. There's not, there's, this is exciting to see what God's doing right here at Eastside Baptist Church. All these homes around you, wow. Just driving in, thinking, man, alive. Just licking your chops, thinking, man, look at all these people here. You could just, wouldn't it be wonderful if you got neighbor after neighbor after neighbor right here in this area and started coming to Eastside Baptist Church? Probably some of those homes that we just drove by as we came in are just like all three of these homes right here. They're religious. Religion's not enough. Some of them are probably troubled. Some of them might be just like the jailer, a secular man doing his job. Doesn't have time for God. You better make time for God. Because the day's going to come. I'm not trying to scare anybody. The day will come when you'll have to stand before the creator of the universe and give, a, give an account to him. Be a whole lot easier if you do it right here. You need Jesus tonight? Maybe you don't even fall under any of the categories of these, these homes, but you still need Jesus. That's we want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.